Good morning. It's Sunday and it's not raining <laughs> yet. Yes. I, what a weird summer of every Sunday it wants to rain. And we've had some folks who have been very excited about getting baptized. And, and every week it's like, oh, it's raining. Let's wait till next week. And, and today was like, as long as they're not lightning bolts flying through the sky, we're getting in that river. So it's very, very excited today to have a whole bunch of Krugers getting baptized. Yeah. It's going to be a great time after the second service today. If you can join us for that, we head over to, to Four Rivers the park over there, and they have, a, they have a kayak entrance. So as you're coming in the main road, the first parking lot off to the left, you find us there. And uh, we'll be gathering there 11.45, 11.50, around that time. So uh, if, if after the first service, you've got some time to head on over and come celebrate with them, uh, that'll be a great time. Yeah, great time a, together. It's a great spot. And I, I love the last time that we went out for baptisms, there was actually, I guess, like a, a Sunday morning kayak crew that came through and about, I don't know, 12, 15 people uh, got to watch as, as we were doing baptisms there. And you just never know what that stirs in somebody. So Absolutely. Uh, very, very, very cool. I mean, that's that part, of the, part of the reason it's wonderful to be able to do a public like mm -hmm. that, even in, rather than just a church service, to be out in the open and people are asking, what in the world are you doing? Yeah. Literally had people ask, you know, mm -hmm. what, what is this? What's going on? So I, I love that opportunity to be able to... Uh, to declare and proclaim faith that way. Yeah. Uh, it was fun. So I'm at an age of stage of life that things have shifted in a wonderful way. Kids all went off to school, and your mother and I went away for a couple of <laughs> days and just had, just had a nice couple of days. So it uh, didn't go very far, in fact. We just headed over to the Starved Rock area, found a, found a cabin over there at a nice, quiet place, and, and actually explored some places that I got to say I'm really embarrassed that we didn't do them when you were five. You know, I just, I, the whole, I've always known about Starved Rock, never really knew about the second park. Uh, and now here, I'm not, a, I've, I've been around Illinois for 30 years, but I am not a native. I can say any New York town quite easily, but the Illinois ones, I still mess them up. So on the count of three, I'll let you tell me, is the name of the park Matheson, Matthiason, or Matheason? So one, two, three. Oh, Universal Matheson. That's interesting. <laughs> we stopped someone along the way, and they added the I, and I've always called it Matheson, and I'm like, oh, man, I've been messing up all these years. Well, but... then sometimes you'll say <clears throat> it, and you feel like you have a lisp. You know, you're going to Matheson. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> right? So, I, I, you know, we had never been down there, and it was so fun to go down on in and see all that and watch Kim go into the water and catch crayfish. That was a riot. No, she didn't do that really. But anyway, it was still, it was a, a lot of fun. Nice, nice break. But you all went back to the, went back to the mines. Back to the so, grind, yeah. Yeah, how, how was that? It was exciting for me uh, because I not only teach seventh and eighth grade social studies over at Shanahan Junior High, but we've started a new civics-based class uh, called the American Experience. And when kids walked in for this class, they're like, what the heck is exact, what's going on here? Like what, what's going on, is this history? Is this, are we literally just doing American things? I had a kid ask, are we gonna have like a hot dog eating contest? In here? Like, That's a great idea. You know, I've got nothing planned for week 12 yet, so let's do that. Let's just do a, a whole string of real American things. Uh, but no, very, very excited. And uh, I'll, the one thing I will say, the coming back this year with no masks and you know, like COVID in the, in the background, these kids are like way too comfortable. Usually you have kids walk into the building for the first time, seventh graders in Shanahan come to a new building. 
and they're a little sheepish, they're a little shy. I'm on the second floor, I'm the only class that they have that's on the second floor. So they're usually like lost and questioning and day one, they were like, I own this place. So it's, uh, wow. yeah, wow. it's gonna be a, a fun group to, to get to know and, and um, enjoy throughout the year. I just, I love the relationship our church has and had with Shanahan Junior High. We spent seven years over there. If you aren't aware of our move from there to, from Joliet to here, we were seven years setting up and tearing down. So when you, when you talk about the school, you can actually imagine what yeah. you're talking about, which is really, really a lot of fun. Great school. So uh, this week, we've got, again, the opportunity to get signed up for groups. Lots of groups going on. I asked you again to kind of flip through the phone and see, were there any that popped out to you that you're like, man, people need to check that one out? Well, I actually got to be the last person to sign up, literally the last person to sign up for one of the groups because it, it closed. So Riley and I were going to sign up for, for a Monday night group and I signed up, but then uh, that kicked Riley out because it, it apparently had limited space. And she's like, <laughs> so I guess we're not doing this together. And we worked it out. Um, but still, I, I just say that because different groups do have different um, size limitations due to, you know, some meet at houses, some meet here. So you definitely, if you haven't looked already, you want to go ahead and check because some of those, those groups might already be filling up. Um, and you can see who are, who's in those groups as you, as you register. So make sure that you're, you're taking a peek here uh, this afternoon or, or at least looking this week. Yeah, and a couple of them that, that really stand out to me, you know, the, first of all, this very afternoon, you can, you can come join us for Southfield 101. It's just a, it's a one-time group. We, we meet once and we talk about the, the basics of, talk a little bit about our history and our story. Uh, we talk about our calling as our church, the culture that we have, uh, commitments to community. What does that look like? So if you're new around here and you're trying to, to figure your way around, uh, I'd encourage you to just go ahead and you can jump on that. Literally right now, go ahead and sign up or or after church, and we're trying with that to, to offer that on a consistent enough basis, trying every other month to be able to have that available enough that if you're, um, if you're newer, you get the chance to do that. We talked about our other first steps last week as well, that chance to come on up after church and, and say hello right down here. We'll be able to do that at the first today and not the second, because uh, second we have to race out and do some baptisms. But So if you're, if you're newer and you're ready to do that, step out of, step out of anonymity, be known, uh, let us know your name so that we can call you by name. Uh, feel free to come up after church and uh, Julia will be here. Take your picture, get your name, and we can, we can talk a little bit. And then the other one in there is called Connect, and that's just, again, a one-time uh, come, newer people, and, and a lot of that time will be spent just kind of getting to know each other, each other's stories, and uh, getting a chance to feel a little bit more comfortable in this, in this place that we call home. I keep throwing out the, the athletic groups. We have basketball and volleyball, and I, I got to go to basketball last week for the first week, and, uh, and it was cool. We had some people from the community, not a part of the church, just had actually been uh, invited by Jared Brooks. It was one of his coworkers and his kids, and they walked into the gym, and they're like, this is a church? <laughs> they were blown away. Um, so it's just a, it's a really easy on-ramp on um, to, to have people come and just see who we are, what we do, how we act, how we live, um, because you'll, you'll get to hear stories on those nights that, uh, that 
might not happen in other places. So mm -hmm. make sure to make those invites. And if, mm -hmm. if you're into basketball, if you're into volleyball, um, go ahead and invite anybody you want. Jared didn't even call. He just invited, he said, we have a, we have a Monday night basketball group. And, uh, and his coworker uh, showed up with his kids. So just a, a really, again, unique opportunity that we have here with having the gym. Yeah, you got Mom Connection coming too, and that one I love it because it's a little bit of a hybrid. It's not a it's not a single small group. It'll be a, a time where you'll you'll listen to a lesson, some speaking, but then break down into 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 groups throughout the throughout the year. So you're actually signing up for the first fall semester, and uh, mention that one particular because the registration for that one closes September 1st. Which I know you're thinking September 1st. I have months. No, you don't. It's right around the corner. So uh, September. September 1st is near. Make sure you do that. And then the other one, I, I love the fact that, you know, God is God's growing us in many areas, and one of them is the number of kids that have been involved in, in little kids and big kids on a Sunday morning, and, and that just provides consistently an opportunity then for, for, for people who might want to get involved in, in connecting with the kids. So much like what we do at day camp, we have that small group leader guide person that goes around and spends time getting to know the kids, driving the lesson of the day home. Uh, maybe you're looking for a serve, that one, if you're available. I believe they're looking for help in the second service. Two so in so you, can, you can come to the first and then serve in the second, and uh, that, that's available. So it actually, in the update, gives you a link that you can go ahead and contact Jaron about that, or, or you can even uh, talk to her this morning. If you have more questions about that, you can ask at the uh, Info Hub as well, and they'd be glad to help you out. So... Mm -hmm. You went for the Bible. I love this. We're, we're coming down now to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. And so today what I asked you to do is go ahead and read a little bit of where we were last week, a little bit of where we'll be next week, and where we'll be today in chapter 4. Yeah. Thanks. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom, preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires, and they will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. Now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on his day of return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. And so God, today we take your word and we open it, and as we do, we realize that we are not simply uh, staring at ideas of ancient men, but we are looking at the words of the Holy God. You've spoken this to us. 
You left it, you, you created us, and then you did not just leave us on this earth without guidance, but you let us know what a well-lived life looks like. You let us know that there is no well-living apart from Jesus, that we need him as our forgiver and as our leader. And then when we follow him as leader, as your instruction comes to us from your word, we're to listen and obey. It's not optional. For a person who follows Jesus, you want us to hear what your word says and then live it. And so I pray that we would never be a church, never be a people that are satisfied with simply receiving information on a Sunday morning, but that we would always have our hearts leaning toward transformation. We want to look more like Jesus. We want to be more like Jesus. We want our hearts transformed like Jesus. And so we, we take your holy inspired word today and look at it to understand and to grow. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you carry a paper Bible, you can go over to 2 uh, Timothy chapter 4. You can also look up digital, and we, and we put the uh, scripture on the screen today. I love this passage we're coming to today. I, I got to be honest with you, that last week, this week, and what we're doing next week, um, I, don't know, I don't know why, but, but God's just done kind of some un, unusual stirring of my heart with these particular passages. They've really it's probably in part just where Paul is in his life that he's coming down to the very end of his ministry and these words, these words mean so much. It's probably something of the relationship that Paul has with Timothy, all those pieces. But I think, I think the scripture itself, uh, coming to that place of looking again at the word of God and realizing that on Sunday morning, and we're not just gathering to have coffee and fun time together, but we're gathering to hear what, what God has to say to us. And so uh, there, there's, a real, there's a real sense of, um, I think, wonder for me in these passages as, as I get to uh, connect with God in a unique way through His Word. We go to the beginning of chapter 4, uh, verses 1 to 5, and I, and I want you to note that those verses, uh, they, they're, they're important both in terms of their content and in terms of their context where they fall and what's happening behind and before. So next week we'll be looking at the words that, that Brian read at the end where Paul's literally going to say, this is it. I'm pretty sure I'm about to die. I'm pretty sure that these are, these are my last weeks, perhaps my last days on earth. I don't know if you've been around someone that's in their final stages of life, last couple years, last couple weeks, last couple days, but you find yourself with a person like that listening a little more closely, wondering, what, what's the thing they want to convey to me? What's, what's the thing that after living 50, 60, 70, 80 years, what's the thing that they're saying that is, that is incredibly important? And that's where we are with Paul and Timothy. And I, I love in the context of this that his final words aren't written to, you know, the church overall, or a particular church, but they're, they're written to an individual. They're written to Timothy. They're written to a person who, who he's had the chance to mentor, who he's had a chance to, to bring up and grow in the faith as well as grow in ministry. And so there's this connection there. And I think because of that, we hear words from Paul that are, that are even more personal than if he had just been talking to a group of people. 
So you have that, you have that bookend. And then, and then on the other side, we have the words that we looked at last week, that all Scripture is, is breathed out by God. He's going to be telling Timothy what to do with that Scripture. And so before he does, he wants Timothy once again to understand the nature of the book, the nature of, the, of this Word of God that he holds in his hands. We talked last week about inspiration, and I, I want to brush on that again. I think it's important to talk about it again because it, it's important for us to understand that that, that that book that we hold in our hand, that, 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 that passage that we swipe on our phone, isn't just like any other book. In fact, there literally is no other book in all the world like this book, and I want you to have confidence in the nature of the book. This passage, I love the way the English Standard and the New International Version have translated the word that other translations use, inspired. I'm not particularly a fan of the word inspired, and it's not because I don't believe in the doctrine of inspiration. I absolutely do. I'm not a fan of the word inspired because in our times, the word inspired is packed with meaning that is not the equivalent of what God is talking about when he says, my word is inspired. And so they go far more literally and say, it's breathed out by God. It's the breath of God. We, we're, we're listening to what God, what God breathed out by his spirit into a person that they might write it down and record it for the rest of us. When we hear the word inspired, we think of something that is inspired or inspirational. Oh, I read this, I read this story this morning and I was moved. I'm ready to go take a mountain. I'm ready to do, I don't know about you. There are times I'm reading the Bible and I'm not very inspired. I'm going through Leviticus, and I'm like, when does this end? You know, I mean, you're just, there are parts that you're like, this didn't, this didn't lift me up today. In fact, there are parts that, that outright whack me on the side of the head. That's not very inspirational. Uh, that, that's not what God is saying when he talks about his word being inspired. Nor, and this is really important, nor is he talking about the author himself being inspired. It's not that the author was inspired. The Word of God, the Bible itself, is where we find true inspiration. So we see the, the different versions in the way they say it. It's breathed out by God. It's God-breathed. The New Living does use the word inspired. J.I. Packer, great theologian, a uh, person well worth reading, said this about inspiration. It's that divine combination of prompting and control that secures precise communication of God's mind by God's messenger. Interesting process because it, it was not simply God dictating his word to people. He didn't say, grab a pen, take this down. And, and what I love is you read Scripture, you start to realize that God, God employed the person, the personality, the experiences, and the education of every writer. So, you're reading something by Peter, and if you could read Greek, it's not the best of Greek. It's kind of what you expect from a Galilean fisherman. Very different from Paul who's highly educated, who's a scholar, who, who's a master of language. But then Paul is really logical, and he's going to be different than the Apostle John, who I can imagine picking daisies every time he's walking behind Jesus. This guy is so artsy. He's talking light and darkness and all. And Paul would be kind of going, would you just cut through it? Tell us what's going on here. All their personalities are found there, and God, God uses the person, the personality, the education, 
and the experiences and brings forth his holy inspired word. We saw this in 2 Peter chapter 1. He said that this prophecy, it's not founded in a human origin, in human will, in a human desire, but, but, the, but the person was carried along by the Holy Spirit. You can almost get the picture uh, of a person in a boat with a sail, and the wind is filling the sails and taking them from one place to another. The person himself is doing none of the moving. They're not the one making this happen. It's the wind in the sail that's carrying them along, the wind of God, the breath of God, the Spirit of God is carrying these people along that they might write the very Word of God. There are some words that we use when we talk about inspiration. We refer to verbal plenary inspiration. What does that mean? Well, verbal, first of all, is that every word of God is inspired. Every word you find in your Bible is inspired. There are some that believe in more of a a partial inspiration. They believe that God inspired the ideas inspired the concepts, but didn't necessarily inspire every word. And yet the Bible clearly teaches that that we do not live by bread alone, but what? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Every word is inspired. Now let me say, though every word is equally inspired, not every word is equally inspirational, right? There are parts of Scripture, I don't want to call them one more meaningful than another, but let's face it, there are parts of Scripture that, that really, you know, they carry you along, they're important, and then there are genealogies. They go list of names. I love this. Next week, Brian's got to list the name, list and read the names at the end of at the end of Second Timothy. Can't wait for that. But lists of names don't carry us along the way others do. Having said that, every name in that list is inspired. Every word in the word of God is inspired. Plenary means that it's fully inspired. So there aren't parts that are inspired and others that are not. It's all equally authoritative. Every part bears weight for us. So verbal plenary inspiration means that every word found in the Bible is given to us by God. That's verbal. And everything in the Bible is authoritative. That's plenary. And every word is also divinely directed. God gave us these words. When you look at that Bible, you're looking at words that come from God himself. All scripture is breathed out by God. Scripture, as we said last week, originated in the mind of God. It was communicated by the, mouth of, by the mouth of God, by means of the breath or spirit of God, through the hand, heart, and personality of the servant of God. So he says it's inspired, but he says it's not only inspired, it's useful. It's got a very important use in the life of a believer. And when he says it's useful, you know in part what he's saying? Get your nose in the book. It's not useful sitting on a shelf. It's not useful if you own 10 of them and never look at one of them. So he's saying it's useful. When, when you get yourself into that book, you find it useful for teaching, reproof, correction, training, and righteousness so that we might be complete and equipped for every good work. He ultimately says that the result of taking time absorbing the Word of God is that you will have maturity and mastery. You will grow up in Christ. That maturity is fullness or completeness. There won't be missing parts. There won't be missing parts to your faith. And mastery is fully equipped to do anything God asks you to do. So you have these bookends. He's saying, it's the end of my life. He's saying, this is the most important book you will ever convey to other people. And then comes what's in the middle. 
chapter 4, verses 1 to 5, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, <clears throat> and in view of his appearing as a kingdom and his kingdom, I give you this charge. I don't know about you. I read that verse. That is lofty. It's not just Timothy or Paul straightforward saying, Timothy, preach the word. He's saying, I have a charge for you. And that charge, I'm speaking this in the presence of God the Father. I'm giving you these words in the presence of Jesus Christ, his son. I'm giving you these words knowing that one day every one of us will face judgment before God. I'm giving you these words knowing the reality of his kingdom and that his kingdom will come and his will will be done. I mean, this is, he is bringing the weight to this particular moment. He's saying, if you've been listening for my last words, if you've been listening for what's really important, here it comes. Timothy, take the pen, get ready. I'm about to give you what is most important, what I have to say. I give you this charge. It's not the first time he's actually used that word with Timothy. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, he said, I solemnly command you, or I charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus and the elect angels, I charge you to, to keep these rules without prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. He says, I don't want you to be a person who's showing favoritism to anybody. He says, never be in a hurry about appointing church leaders. Don't be too hasty in the laying on of hands. He says, don't share in the sins of other people. Keep yourself pure. He gives him this charge in this particular moment. There's another point in 2 Timothy chapter 2 where he says, remind them of these things. He's talking about the people of the church. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words which does no good, but only ruins the hearer. And then he goes on to say, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. Be a good worker. Handle the word of God well. So it's not the only time he uses it, but here at the very end, the last chapter, there's some weight to this. I give you this charge, he says. What's the charge? Preach the word. Now you look at that this morning and you go, okay, well, why are we looking at this particular passage today? Because in reality, it only seems to apply to maybe one or two people in the room. Uh, that, you know, most of us do not spend our life preaching. What's the importance today of looking at this and understanding it? Oh, there's great importance in it. Paul says he's to preach the Word of God. When I look at preaching in the modern context, when I look at preaching and communication theory in 2022 in America, most people would say it's probably one of the worst forms of communication possible. It's not a great way to communicate much of anything. To have a group of people come, sit on the not most comfortable chair in the world, and listen to somebody for 30 to 40 minutes deliver a monologue. There are far better ways to communicate, aren't there? Far better ways. Maybe, maybe if it was more of an open discussion, more interactive, get something interactive going, or, or maybe, maybe if there was something, some more media behind besides just a, a still-sitting screen, maybe if those move, words moved a little bit, or, or pictures were coming up, or, or occasionally there'd be some great words, I don't know, something, something that just, whoa, there it is. And instead, we're listening, we're listening to a, a monologue when somebody's talking about what's going on in the Bible. Why in the world 
would we lean into preaching? It's not, even, it's not even when you think about it very democratic. And by democratic, I'm not talking about parties. I'm talking about democratic as in, in most communications today, you want everybody to have the opportunity to bring their opinion to the table. Let's all sit around together. Everybody, everybody share their opinion, and then we'll kind of, we'll politely discuss those opinions. That's not what's going on here. And why is that? Because we're not listening to an opinion. We're listening to God. I think in large part, what he's just said about the Word of God is why he says, this is the means by which I have ordained for my Word to be declared. It is to be preached. It is to be preached. Not because of the authority of the person, not because of the education of the person delivering it, but because it is direct, inspired instruction from God. No debate. No debate. This is what God says. This is what God says. And so he wants us to understand that there need to be times in our lives, whether we have the chance to declare it or we have the chance to hear it, that we are receiving the Word of God, realizing it is that. It is the Word of God. Now, having said that, I understand. It's conveyed by a sinful, broken person, Sometimes it's conveyed by a person with an agenda. Sometimes it's conveyed by a person who's decided what they want and finds Bible verses to apply. And that's why we see in the Bible, you know, the Bereans actually question if what Paul is saying is the same as what's in the Bible. And that's why we all have our copy. That's why we all come back and look at the Word of God and ask ourselves the question, did Dennis or whomever is preaching today share accurately what God has to say in this particular text. But he says, you're to to preach this word, preach the word further. It's not preaching of great ideas. You know, I know for some of you, you find yourself right now in in that mode that that you're leaving a church you are a part of and you're looking for a new church. You're here for the, you know, first few weeks, you're kind of checking us out, trying to figure out whether or not this is the place you'll land. And maybe you won't land here. Maybe you'll go somewhere else. And there are all kinds of things people are looking for a church. More often than not, if they have their hand down like this and and they're walking in with a kid, it's all about did the kid like it. They will endure pain and suffering as long as their kid liked church that day. That's what it's all about, right? Here's the thing. If the church you're looking at doesn't preach the word, don't bother. If the church you're looking at isn't looking into what the word of God has to say on a Sunday morning, don't bother. It's not about the opinions of a mere human. You can read the newspaper for that. You can watch TV for that. It's not about opinions from a mere human. It's about digging into what the Word of God has to say. So it's not just preaching. It's not just a half-hour monologue. It's bringing the Word of God to the table. He then goes on to say, be prepared in season and out of season. I've known this passage of Scripture, I I can literally say, all my life. But in particular, I became very aware of it as a teenager. Preach the Word of God in season and out of season. I always looked at those words and go, neat. Next. 
in season, out of season. It's a, it sounds like it's, it's important. Let's, let's do this. This is great. In season and out of season. So Kim and I are together this week, and we're driving from one place to another. And I said, okay, so 2 Timothy this week, I'm, I'm looking at these words, in season and out of season. What have you understood those to mean? And she kind of stopped for a moment. And as she started to explain her understanding of it, it was not very different than what my understanding of it had been. You know, nice, filler, neat, what's that all about? And then she said, I don't know, maybe it means something like um, when it's convenient and when it's not convenient. Ding, 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 ding. That's what it's all about right there. When it's convenient to speak it, when it's not convenient to speak it, you preach it. So for me, getting the mail from the mailbox in June is much more convenient than in getting the mail from the mailbox in January. And I have a weird habit. It doesn't matter if it is June or January. I walk to the mailbox barefoot. More than once, my neighbor has commented about the bare feet that they see in the snow. I just like to walk out barefoot. It is far less convenient to walk out to the mailbox in January than it is in June. Sometimes it's convenient to preach the Word of God. It's convenient to preach the Word of God, for example, when you're preaching to the choir. When everybody in the room agrees, amen, <laughs> right? It's easy to do that. It's another thing to preach the Word of God when you know full well there are people sitting there saying, I don't believe a word coming out of your mouth. You're still going to declare the truth? You're still going to declare the truth in that moment? Kim said it was probably much easier to declare the Word of God a better season in 1950 than in 2022. And I totally agree. And I think it's much easier in 2022 than it's going to be in 2052. There are seasons that are easy to speak the word. And you know full well there are seasons that it is difficult to bring the truth to the table. And God says it doesn't matter if it's easy or not. Bring the truth to the table. Preach the word in season, not of season. Then, then he gives a series of imperatives. He says, I want you to correct I want you to rebuke. I want you to encourage with that word. Now, here's where I want you to do a, a little transition for yourself and not just thinking about preaching in terms of, of this context, but if you're parenting, you have the opportunity to bring the word. You have the opportunity to bring the truth all the time. What do you do when you're bringing the truth? You correct, you rebuke, and you encourage with the word of God. To correct is to refute. It's to lay bare. It's to expose. Sometimes what's happening needs to be exposed. Sometimes error needs to be exposed. It needs to be laid bare. This is the truth, and what you're saying right now, that's not the truth. Where you're walking, what you're doing, that is not the truth. Sometimes it needs to be exposed. Sometimes there needs to be a rebuke. The rebuke is a, a reprimand, an admonishment, or even a warning. Where you're about to go, you better not go there. I tell you what, both Kim and I have had times in life where we knew somebody was literally walking down the wrong path, and we were able to, just before they took that step, have that moment of saying, you don't want to go there. And sadly, we've had people who went there anyway. And then he says you're also to encourage, to exhort, to comfort, 
to urge. I love the different commentators I looked at. One person said that correcting is an intellectual approach. It takes on what's going on in the mind. Rebuke is a moral approach. It goes after action and behavior. And encouraging is an emotional approach. Sometimes you are just broken and you need someone to come alongside and help lift you up. Someone else said these are the equivalent of what's going on with what he has to deal with with the false teachers. And so um, there's doubt that needs convincing, there's sin that needs confronting, there's fear that needs uh, comforting. They say that there's rebuking of error that needs to take place, warning those who do not heed correction, urging those who are faltering. We bring all of those different applications to the Word of God all the time. And he says, I want you to do this with patience and careful instruction. Probably the worst thing we can do, and I think part of the reason preaching in churches has gained such a bad name and a bad reputation is because too many pastors through the years have used the Bible like a baseball bat. And they've just, they've just seen Sunday morning as a chance to knock off heads and to go after people. And then sadly, what often gets exposed in those same settings is that the head that needed to be knocked off was the speaker because the speaker was living in a state of hypocrisy. Paul says, I want you, when you're delivering this word to people, to do it with patience. Know that, that they're hearing something and they, they may not be open to it. And you just, you're that patient farmer planting the seed, realizing God is the one watering, God is the one that brings the increase. And you're just pray, patiently bringing the truth to the table and with careful instruction, taking the time to really think it through. Then he gets into this part that I think every pastor loves, right? It's like, because every pastor thinks, this is when I'm living. This is it right now. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Interesting in this passage, one of the things Paul points out is that they won't just go after a teacher that says what they want to hear. They'll gather a whole bunch of them. They'll believe there's, there's value in, in, in quantity over quality. I have 25 people that agree with me. I always love when a person wants to defend something by what they found on Facebook. I'm like, do you know you can find anything that agrees with you on Facebook? Quite literally anything anything. He says that's the way people will become. Now, I'm going to say as much as every pastor has ever, ever said, this defines our times. Dennis Papp 2022 is saying this defines our times. Here we are. Why? Because we have been trained. We have been trained by social media to cancel. We've been trained to mute. We've been trained to unfollow. We've been trained to block. We've been trained to say, I am going, I'm going to sift away anything that doesn't agree with me and only, only ever receive and interact that which is the same as what I think. We've got that training going on in our social media and it's become part of where we live. That we decide what we think, we decide our opinion, and then we collect teachers and teaching that reinforces what we think and what we say. And part of the beauty of preaching is that on a Sunday morning, we should be open to anything God is bringing our way, even if we don't agree with it. And as we don't agree with it, we determine, is this what God is saying to me? Is this what, what God is calling me to do today? 
As I said this past week, we got a chance to take a little bit of a break, and so on our way over to Starved Rock, we, we went through Ottawa instead of going straight over and down, and I'd never been to Ottawa. You know, all these years of living here, we'd never, we had never been through Ottawa. What a cute little town driving on through. There's, there's this statue of Lincoln and Douglas standing there. I'm like, huh, I guess Lincoln was here like everywhere else. And sure enough, he was there. And first, of the, first of the seven debates with, with Douglas was there at, in this Lincoln, Lincoln Square Park. And, and it was really fascinating to kind of get some of the pieces of the history of that. So one night we decided to walk over, take a walk in the park, see what's there. It's amazing how monuments have changed, by the way. How the old monuments would be lists of like the soldiers and whatever, and the new monuments are lists of the politicians that put the plaque there. I don't understand the difference, but anyway. You've got this beautiful park and you're walking around. As we're walking up to it, we see these two beautiful cathedral-like churches staring down on that park. I'm not going to mention denominations or anything like that today, but I look at the first church, and this is one of those churches that wears all their values on their front lawn. So there are all these different things out on their front lawn that you're like, okay, I know your perspective. I know where you're coming from. I know all your non-biblical values. And then there's one two doors down. And literally since being there, I, I saw a news story about that denomination that at their most recent annual meeting, they decided, it's just, it kills me. They decided that Jesus agrees with uh, gender-affirming surgeries in children. The Jesus who said, let the little children come to me, apparently was saying that so that he could give them a mastectomy or, you know, remove their uterus. They said, this is what Jesus desires. Why do I say that today? Because if that's what you believe, you can go to that church today. And you can have a whole group of people saying, Amen to something that is ruthless and cruel. Just a few years back, the very same people were screaming about African nations and gender mutilation. And now we are the mutilators of mutilators. We will say, this is what I believe. I'll go find someone to reinforce it. Instead of, this is what the Bible says. How will I conform to it? But instead, we'll just want, just want our ears scratched. In all of this, he says, okay, if you're going to do that, you've got to keep your head in all situations. In this, he's saying, be sober. Not, not drunk, but be sober-minded. Be clear-headed. Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. You will endure hardship if you speak truth. You will. If you bring truth to the table, you will endure hardship says, do the work of the evangelist. Don't give up on lost people. Some people seem so lost that we're just like, there's nothing more I can say, nothing more I can do. Keep planting the seed. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. So again, we read this this morning, and, and you might be looking and saying, this would have been a great ordination sermon for Blake Hersberger, or, you know, someone, that, someone that's going to do preaching all the time. What about me? How does this apply? How does this apply to me? Well, first of all, every one of us as a Christ follower has a consistent opportunity to bring truth to the table. More than ever. We have the chance in our, in our meetings with coworkers. We have our chance in, in, with our family. We have the chance all the time to bring truth to the table. 
Will we bring the truth of the Word of God to the table, or will we, to keep the peace, keep our Bible and biblical values far, far away? We all have the chance to preach truth, to present the thus saith the Lord, not what do you think, but this is what God says. I think secondly, it brings some weight to all of us to find ourselves in situations where we are receiving preaching, to make sure that we don't sacrifice this opportunity to listen to the Word of God presented, and in the process of listening to it presented, to ask the Holy Spirit of God, so where do you want me to change? How do you want me to grow? But probably the third and, and, and maybe the most important application of all is to be aware Not that there will be people who will look to have their ears scratched, but that I might be the person who's looking to have my ears scratched. That every one of us deep in our hearts love our opinion most. And it's real easy to look for people who will reinforce our opinion instead of looking at the Word of God and saying, that's the only view that matters. What God says is what matters most, and I'm to be conforming my heart to be most like his son. And so, God, today, I'm thankful for these words from Paul. I'm thankful for the great care that he has delivering this charge to Timothy. And God, I realize this charge today is given to every one of us to bring the truth to the table, to not wince, to receive the truth consistently, regularly, not not pushing it away. And for crying out loud, to not just gather around us people who agree with us as we stay stale and solid in our sinful ways. But that we instead realize that, that the God who created us is also the God who instructs us, the God who knows what is best for us. And we live in that truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, what's interesting about the Word of God is that there are some things that are very directed and some things that we get no clear instruction. There's a passage in the Bible that talks about what we're supposed to do when we receive communion, that we're supposed to take the time to examine ourselves, find out where we are. This isn't just a snack time during church or look spiritual in front of our friends. This is, this is a, a moment to stop and ask, God, where am I in my relationship with you? But, but Scripture, while it gives instructions like that, it never, it never gave instruction on, do this every Sunday. Or like my church growing up, do this the first Sunday of the month. Or do this quarterly. Or make sure you use Welch's. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't give those kinds of instructions. Which is what is beautiful in those cases is God gives us some freedom based on the convictions he brings to us. And a long time ago, part of the conviction that came to us is that part of the Bible that says every time you eat the bread and drink the club, you drink the cup, you, you declare my death until I come back. Every time we do communion together, it's an evangelistic opportunity. It's an opportunity for someone sitting here who doesn't know Jesus to get a picture of the fact that we received the forgiveness of Jesus. And so today, as you you walk to that table, whether it's in the back or the front, the gluten-free on the sides of the platform, wherever you walk today, 
would you realize that you're declaring the Lord's death until he comes back every time you do this? But also, would you take the time today to ask yourself the question, God, is there anywhere in my life that I'm surrounding myself with similar opinions rather than being open to listening to what you have to say? And before that bread and cup goes to your mouth today, would you pray the simple words, God, forgive me? Repent and turn back to God. Let's go to communion. After Brian's recommendation a little bit ago, sermon he preached, uh, Kim and I have been blessed in our way through the Lord of the Rings, watching all those very, very long movies once again. We did discover about halfway into the second one that subtitles help. Now we actually understand what they're saying and who's who because they all have about the same name. It makes you crazy. But anyway... So we're watching through this and very present in that movie and that series is the concept of a king. A concept that's completely lost on us in, 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 a, in a democratic republic. A king. The king's word is not one idea among many. The king is not one among equals. He's the king. Today we're going to sing in response to what we've heard today to the King of Kings. His is not just one opinion among many. He is not one among equals. He is our King. And we listen to his voice. And we follow what he says. Let's stand and sing to our King. You know, I think part of the reason that this, these passages have been weighty to me is, again, that reminder that every time we open this book together, we're looking at the inspired Word of God. And it and honestly leaves me in, in, in some fear, uh, saying, wow, I hope I'm getting it right. I hope I'm conveying properly exactly what God has to say today. And one of the ways we know that is, um, is by looking at it together to not simply leave it up to one person to say, here's truth, have at it, but to study it ourselves. And, and so I want to encourage you in every possible way you can to start eating more Bible. <laughs> you got to get more of this into your diet. We, we offer paper copies of these for free. You can never steal a Bible or a pen from our church. They are free to take, okay? Uh, the Bibles are at the table on the way out the door, and we have them sitting there. We, we give out the uh, New Living Translation. It's an Americanized version. It's a little easier to understand. I will say, though, too, that the, the print is for uh, the visually challenged will have a fun time. But anyway, I mean, it's, woo, it's teeny. I can still read it, but Brian can't. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> so you got that. You've also got great apps that you can carry the Bible with you all the time. I love using Bible Gateway. Uh, so many different versions that you have right there on the spot as well as Bible.com. So you got both of those. And then the other thing I want to encourage you to do is get yourself into some sort of systematic Bible intake. You know, on, on Bible.com, for example, they have a whole bunch of Bible reading plans. They're great. Except that some of them, what they are, are mostly devotional and a verse attached. All right? So what you have, a devotional is inspirational. It's not inspired. The Bible is what's inspired. The Bible is what says it will lead to life change. So make sure that when you're doing those Bible plans, you're not just reading someone else's opinion about what is written, but you're reading what God has to say. 
Read his words. Take his words in. You're like, well, they're hard to understand. Yeah. At one point, you didn't know two plus two was four either. Now you got that down. You're on to three plus three. So, you know, we keep reading, we keep growing, we keep learning, but you got to take it in. You got to take it in. So this morning as we leave today, uh, we've got these pictures that hopefully give us a little bit better idea of what's happening uh, every Sunday morning. Diane will be over here this morning. If you need to pray with somebody, I'll be on this side along with Julia to get some pictures taken. She's doing double duty today. She's actually on the camera at the first service, so so she's going to run like the wind, probably hit a few people on the way up. Just don't worry about that. She'll come, and if you haven't had your picture taken yet, come on up and say hi. Have a great week.